For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for good, to prosper you and not for harm, to give you a future and a hope. A few years ago, a cat wandered up to my house and decided to start standing guard on the front porch. I've since heard that it's good luck when a cat finds you, and I suspect that that's probably true because this was a very good cat. We named this cat Elfie after the Wicked Witch character in the musical uh, Wicked, and uh, most evenings and mornings, Elfie stayed on the front porch, um, and, and then during the day, she wandered about. When it was cold, I would put her in the garage at night, but then the next morning, inevitably, she would dart out of the garage to go and wander about some more. I can remember one particular evening when Elfie was nowhere to be found, and, and I was worried. I was worried about her, and so I repeatedly went to the front door to look. One of my teenage daughters interrupted me on the way to the front door, and she said, Oh, Mom, don't be silly. Don't worry about Elfie. She has a life. She has things to do and things to see. This was true. Elfie is a very free cat. At the beginning of the summer, we moved our home to one of Alamo Heights' favorite cut-through streets, East Oakview. Yeah, you should honk when you drive by because I know you all cut through from Broadway to North New Braunfels. So when my father-in-law came for high school graduation in May, he took Elfie away in his truck. The new plan for Elfie was that she would be an indoor cat. And I had my doubts. You know, I thought that Elfie would probably tear up the furniture in his house or that she would dart out the front door the first chance that she got or she would become the newest version of Grumpy Cat. Uh, but we got this picture this week from my father-in-law's house in Georgetown. That's the breakfast nook right over the uh, table in the dining room. I think Elfie is settling in quite nicely. And there are two things that I believe we miss about Jeremiah 29:11 that Elfie can help us with. The first is that Jeremiah wrote this portion of the prophecy to God's people as God's people were carried off in captivity. So these were words of hope in a very desperate time. Judah has been defeated. They've been destroyed by the Babylonians. And many people have been taken from their safe place, from the place where God resides, the place that they love. Jerusalem and the temple, and they've been carted off to Babylon, which is the home of their enemies. They're defeated, they're captured, and I imagine that they are afraid. It's not too much of a stretch to say that they are without hope. It's into this very bleak setting that Jeremiah proclaims a promise and the result is, I believe, that we can find a belief that is foundational to our faith. I know that I would not be able to walk the long walk of the Christian faith without this belief. And this foundational belief is this, 
that God can and God does hold the tension of a time of devastation with the time of hope. That despair and promise inevitably reside together. It was theologian Kate Bowler who first suggested to me that Americans have either ignored or perverted this very important foundational belief by practicing what is referred to as the prosperity gospel. And the prosperity gospel sneaks into my own head when I think that God only wants good things for me. This is exactly how I've read and prayed Jeremiah 29, 11. That God's will for me is that I have a very good, satisfying job that doesn't give me any trouble. That people will only appreciate me and then I'll have just enough money. That there is health and there is wealth for the faithful. A poll that was taken just 11 years ago revealed that two-thirds of Americans agree that God wants people to prosper. The crazy thing to me about Bowler's research is that the earliest root of this thinking of the prosperity gospel, this thinking that God only wants good things for us, is in 1875 in the United States. So we only get this idea that God wants good things for us when we lift verses like Jeremiah 29, 11 out of its context. Or we can get this idea that God only wants good things for us from the false prophets. There's a false prophet that is in Jeremiah's ear named Hananiah. Hananiah shows up in chapter 28 of Jeremiah and Hananiah, Hananiah says, the Lord will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. The Lord will break this yoke soon and bring you home. One of the best things that Alexander Shia has brought to our congregation, I believe, is a challenge. And that challenge is that God works for our own good in change and in suffering. That there is blessing to be found in pain. This week, the most beautiful thing that I saw was two days after my 12-year-old son's surgery. He had surgery on his left elbow this week. Two days after that, I saw him trying out putters at Dick's Sporting Goods, and I, I was the only one taking pictures. But man, was that pretty, that he was up <laughs> and he was ready to use that arm again. Blessing through pain is implicit in the Bible, and it is implicit in the gospel stories because it's what the gospel writers knew to be true, that even though their life was difficult, there was promise, there was hope. Doing the work of discomfort and even the work of suffering, enduring, yields fruit in our lives, and it yields transformation in our hearts and our souls. Jeremiah 29, verses 5 and 6 says this. There are these instructions for the prisoners in Babylon. Build houses, settle down, plant gardens, and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters increase in number and do not decrease. So essentially the instruction that Jeremiah gives the captives is settle in. 
find life, find life in the midst of death. And really, truly, that message is not too dissimilar from the message that we get from Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, that there is life in the midst of death. Now, the second thing that Elfie the cat teaches me about Jeremiah is that these words of Jeremiah aren't addressed just to one person or one cat, but they are addressed to a group. They were addressed to a community. So the metaphor of Elfie in captivity reaches its limit here. The way for me to make it more accurate would be if I tell you that I possessed a herd of cats that my father-in-law took off to Georgetown. And that's a stretch for the Shelley family. We don't have more than one cat in any of our homes. But biblically, it would be more accurate. Jeremiah's words are to a people, a group. And so the work and the realization of God's blessing then happens in community. It always happens in relationship. And that work is more often than not for other people. Specifically in Jeremiah's case, the good work is to be for the people of Babylon, for the enemy. So this is going to make you cringe, but here's Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 7. Seek the welfare of the city to which you've been carried off into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Henry Nowen at one time wrote a prayer that included the line, I hope that my love for those whom I like will never lessen my love for those whom I do not. I hope that another person's love for me will never be a measure of my love for him or her. Our love is to be for the other. Our love is to be for the stranger. I read an article this week by a United Methodist clergy couple. I think both of them at one point in time have served as district superintendents. And so they've spent some time asking congregations about uh, their community. And they said that when they asked the question, what's the most important thing about your church? People often respond with the same answer. And that same answer is, we're a family. The most important thing about our community is we're a family. And the emphasis in that answer then becomes on stability and relationship, and those are certainly good things. But the point of this article was that when we start applying the ideas of family to worship on Sunday, that then the church begins to decline When worship is directed toward insiders, this clergy couple said, then we write our own death sentence because we forget about the stranger. And the stranger is also known as the future family member who will have no interest in meddling in our private business or laughing at our private jokes. If we could have Jeremiah join us for an interview this morning, and we had the opportunity to ask Jeremiah the question, why the exile? Why were the people carried off into captivity? I'm convinced that Jeremiah would say, well, the people didn't pay attention to the strangers. 
The people had a collective heart problem. They couldn't see those who were in need, the orphan, the widow, and the stranger. In chapter 5, Jeremiah's indictment of the people reads like this. Their houses are full of deceit. They become rich and powerful. They're fat and sleek. They don't plead the case of the fatherless to win it, and they don't defend the rights of the poor. They didn't pay attention to the stranger. They didn't pay attention to those who were in need, those whom God called also my people. The good work of making a place for the outsider of hospitality is not easy work. It's tough work to welcome strangers. And I've been enjoying the last couple of weeks a book by a man named Richard Beck who says that strangers are hard to love because, wait for it, they're strange. Yeah. He's a professor, a psychology professor. I've heard him speak. He really is a quite a brilliant guy, and I think his brilliance is evidence in the way that is evident in the simple way that he states the problem. Strangers are just strange, right? His challenge is to narrow our field of strangers by widening our circles. And he says we each have a circle. We each have what is called, what he calls a circle of affection. And you can figure out your circle of affection by drawing a circle or imagining a circle. And in that circle, you put the names of your friends and family. He says because we are kind to those we are kin to. We are naturally kind to those we are kin to. And then outside of the circle is everyone else. Outside of the circle are the strangers. And then the goal becomes to widen the circle, to stretch the circle just a little bit. We are compassionate to people that we see as similar. And so the key is to find similarities with a larger group of people. And there really is no limit to this. There is no limit to how big you can grow your circle. Or maybe there is. Maybe there is a limit. Maybe it's best illustrated by a parable. A parable by Pete Rollins. Pete Rollins titled this parable, The Salvation for a Demon. This is a parable or a story about a kindly old priest And this priest was known for his hospitality. Late one night when he was at the church, there was a knock at the church's door. And um, without hesitation, he went to the door. He opened the door. And there standing outside of the door was a towering, terrifying demon. Without hesitation, the kindly old priest welcomed the demon into the church And as he finished his evening devotions, the demon prowled the church. He spewed curses and blasphemies everywhere. When the priest retired to go home, the demon followed. And without hesitation, he welcomed the demon into his home and he prepared a meal for both of them. All the while, the demon just cursed and mocked the priest. He said, oh man, you welcomed me first into your church and you welcomed me into your house. I have more, one more request of you. 
Will you welcome me into your heart? Why, of course, said the priest. All that I have is yours. All that I am is yours. This brought the demon to a standstill, for the demon was unable to rob him of his kindness. He was unable to rob him of his compassion, his hospitality, and his love. What happened to the demon? Well, it's anyone's guess. But you might say that while the demon left empty-handed, he received more than he could have imagined. And what happened to the priest? Well, the priest simply ascended the stairs to his house. He got into bed. He drifted off to sleep, all the while wondering what disguise his Christ would take next. It's a tough parable. It's a little scary. But I am convinced that the message of Jeremiah 29 is that we can do scary things together. Would you hear these words from the portion of the story of the prophet Jeremiah, beginning with verse 4? Would you stand for this reading? And maybe read it with me. Let's read it together. This is the message from God of the angel armies, Israel's God, to all the exiles I've taken from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses. Make yourselves at home. Put in gardens and eat what grows in that country. Marry and have children. Encourage your children to marry and have children so that you'll thrive in that country and not waste away. Make yourselves at home there and work for the country's welfare. Pray for Babylon's well-being. If things go well for Babylon, things will go well for you. Yes, believe it or not, this is the message from God of the angel armies, Israel's God. Don't let all those so-called preachers and know-it-alls who are all over the place there take you in with their lies. Don't pay any attention to the fantasies they keep coming up with to please you. They're a bunch of liars preaching lies and claiming I sent them. I never sent them. Believe me, God's decree. This is God's word on the subject. As soon as Babylon's 70 years are up and not a day before, I'll show up and take care of you as I promised and bring you back home. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you and not to abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I'll listen. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. God's decree. I'll turn things around for you. I'll bring you back from all the countries into which I drove you. God's decree. Bring you home to the place from which I sent you off into exile. You can count on it. This is a story of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You can have a seat. 